0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Let's go back to the issue of the interpreters, the Afghan interpreters, and bringing them to this country. Major Mark Campbell, for more than 30 years, was a member of the Canadian Armed Forces. Most of those years, with the Prince of Patricia Canadian Light Infantry. Major Campbell lost both of his legs to an IED in Afghanistan. He's been fighting for interpreters and Afghan National Army commanders to be brought to this country and safety from assassination by the Taliban and the insurgents. Major Campbell, good to have you back with us. We just spoke with Mr. Khan in Afghanistan, who clearly is terrified of what awaits him if he's caught. We also spoke with uh, Sajjan Kazimi, who was left behind Alex for many years. He's now in Dallas. But he also explained what was going to happen to the interpreters, all of them, if they are in fact caught by the Taliban and the insurgents. Your sense, please, of the situation that's on the ground in Afghanistan now, your sense of what these interpreters face, and how urgent is it to get them out of there and into this country?
1: Well, good to be on your show again, Roy. Great to hear your voice. Um, My take on what's going on in Afghanistan right now is, uh, I guess, chaos would be the operative word. Uh, the Taliban are making some gains. The uh, Afghan National Army, though, it's not all doom and gloom. They're, uh, they're holding their own in many places and managing to take back some of the districts that have been initially captured by the, uh, by the Taliban resurgence. All of that notwithstanding, however, um, it would appear that the Taliban are on the move. They're on the march, and uh, they are slowly gaining ground against uh, the government security forces uh, in the Afghan National Army and the Afghan National Police so I think what you're going to see eventually is either a partition, a partition state, if they can come to some sort of peace agreement, or you're going to see uh, enclaves like Kabul become just that—a uh, bit of an enclave for uh, for the the pro-Western Afghans and uh, surrounded by uh, by the Taliban from all sides, and that's going to be a, a gruesome place to be. I mean, the sense of the sense of urgency—I I don't think I can I can put words on uh, on top of it to make to make the word urgent more more applicable in this particular case if we don't get these people out they're going to be murdered they're going to be tortured and they're going to be murdered there's no question about that Uh, there's plenty of evidence from the past to to indicate clearly that that is the taliban modus operandi for anyone who's cooperated with uh, coalition forces or uh, or western forces Um, and there's no question that these interpreters who canada owes a debt of gratitude and some uh, afghan national army commanders who work closely with the Canadian forces in Kandahar for five years, they need to get out. If we don't get them out, then blood is on Canada's hands. And it's, and it's clearly on Canada's hands and only Canada's hands. And that blood will be on the hands of this Canadian government for dilly-dallying and, and wasting time when we've got an urgent crisis on our hands. It needs to be dealt with immediately. Canada has uh, units trained up, uh, ready, on standby um, to, to deploy anywhere in the world. To conduct a non-combatant evacuation of, of embassy staff, for instance, uh, should there be a, a problem up here, or, you know, a, a wildfire up here, and and we have to evacuate people, the, the 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 need to evacuate the the Afghan interpreters and and some of the senior leadership of the A N A that work closely with Canada. There's there's no question that this is this is a responsibility of Canada and the Canadian government. The forces are prepared to act. I'd be I'd be shocked if they did not already have contingency plans drawn up for this specific mission, to to rescue uh, Canadian-affiliated Afghans. And all this requires now is the government to say go. That is the problem. Will the government say go? Because there's nobody that's better suited, and there's nobody that's more appropriate, in my view, to rescue their former allies than the Canadian Armed Forces themselves.
0: That's almost the responsibility, isn't it, Mark?
1: Well, it's certainly a moral responsibility. A moral the responsibility.
0: Forces. The government has the responsibility ultimately to get it done.
1: Yes. And the forces are the, are the, are the instrument by which they can achieve that end. And uh, all they have to do literally is say go. That's why we spend all that money training and equipping and, and having these, these specialized forces on standby that are ready to go and do the noncombatant evacuation. We've so, got the aircraft to do it. We've got the people to do it. Um, all we need is the government to support it and to say go.
0: So we do have the immigration minister, Mr. Uh, Mendocino, saying that uh, that there is a plan that is being uh, finalized, and uh, they want to get this done as quickly as possible. So quickly as possible means before the election is well, called, but let's get it done today, today, tomorrow, as fast as possible. It
1: means, it- yeah, getting it done and quickly means different things to different people and certainly can mean a different thing to the government. Uh, I don't know what they mean by quickly. I hope they're not just planning on reinstating the, uh, the fast-track prioritization for immigration program that they ran before, because that will take months, if not years, to process the Afghans based on our experience the last go-around we did this. No, no. What we need now is uh, a rapid screening capability on the ground provided by the embassy staff, Load these people onto aircraft, move them down a secured corridor by the Canadian Armed Forces, get them onto aircraft, and get them out. That's the bottom line. That And by quick, we mean, like, start moving tomorrow, if not today.
0: Mark, I asked uh, both of the interpreters who were with us at the top of the hour, and I know you have activity going on in your own life right now, and I appreciate you taking this, staying with us. Um, I asked them what their day would be like when they went out on a mission with Canadian troops. And they give us a sense. And they always underplay it. they always understated. Each time I've asked them this question, whether it's on the air or off the air, they understate their role. There's a there's a humility there. They just don't want to say, they don't want to talk, claim uh, that they were extremely important to the mission. But they were, weren't they?
1: Absolutely they were. I, I couldn't have functioned. In my role mentoring the Afghan National Army, my, my teams and I could not have functioned without our interpreters. And they did so much more. They weren't just translators. I mean, I can get a machine to translate. No, no. These people were our, uh, They were ambassadors to their culture. And they would explain their cultural requirements for everything from a business meeting with three cups of tea preceding any business itself, the small talk we had to do uh, in order to, to get to the point where we could actually do business. I mean, all these things that were foreign to us that are second nature to the Afghan culture, this is what the interpreters provided. They're a roadmap to success, absolutely, in our dealings with the with the Afghan populace and our dealings with the Afghan
0: security forces. They were absolutely
1: critical for us to do the job.
0: And they were often, were they not? And this is something else we've covered. They were right in the
1: front lines with me, Roy. They were getting yeah. shot at and blown up, the same as I was.
0: Were they not also at times the primary target uh, for the insurgents?
1: absolutely it's like the old saying we have in the army shoot the radio man kill the communications right then they can't talk and get reinforcements well if the Taliban were able to kill the uh kill the interpreters outright that would leave us literally voiceless working with the Afghans okay. and uh, and they knew that so they yeah absolutely the, the, the interpreters are high priority targets for the Taliban not only for that reason but to set an example for Afghans you know through torture and and and, and decapitation and and other horrific acts, the, the the Taliban would go to town on interpreter if they ever got one.
0: So there's no question here. I mean, I didn't. I, I asked them when they were on, and uh, Sajin uh, talked about the fact that they would be tortured and their death would be extremely difficult. But there's no question that this would happen, and probably not just. I don't know, Mark. You tell me. They, but but I'm guessing not just to the interpreters and their immediate families, but perhaps to their extended families as well.
1: Oh yeah, anybody the Taliban can get their hands on. Particularly to uh, to try to coerce the uh, the the interpreters themselves to come forward and surrender themselves. You know, if they can get a if they can if they can find a, a family member and apply apply pressure to that family member, you know, threat of death or injury, and get the interpreter to come forward that way, then that's an awfully strong, a awfully powerful lever that, uh, that the Taliban can uh, can take advantage of uh, if 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 they're if they're you know if they're able to. Um, the, the concern here is, you know, there are reports out of Afghanistan of, 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 uh, of officials and, and other, other people, teachers and whatnot, being flayed alive. I mean, skinned alive by the Taliban. This is an exaggeration. This is not a joke. This is, this is, this is what's happening. This is the kind of savagery, medieval savagery that the Taliban indulge in. And uh, that's what's in store for these interpreters. And in some cases, senior members of the ANA that work very closely with Canada... Um, that, that this is what these people are facing for having worked with us, for having helped us. Uh, they're now they're now in the crosshairs, and it's our job, in my view, to get them out. They kept me out of the crosshairs as much as they could when I was literally, you know, walking the minefields in their country. And now it's our turn. We've got to do our part. We owe these people a debt of gratitude. And that debt extends to, you know, providing them a new home. Uh, these are exactly the kind of people we want in Canada as 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 new Canadians, as new immigrants, they're hardworking. Uh, you know, they already speak the language for the most part. Um, they're 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 ideal. They're, these guys score a ten out of ten on the on the good to go immigration scale in, in Mark Campbell's view. Um, you know, we have already betted these people. Uh, they've already betted themselves through their their gallant actions in in combat, supporting us. Yeah. And now it's our turn to support them. And time is of the essence.